0: Mac football pod. It's championship like I, 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 you know what? We're keeping it in. We're keeping it in. Caleb We'll do it live. <laughs> it's Mac Football Pod after dark. Caleb, Justin, what's up guys? Howdy. Doing good. doing good. I have a uh, I have a pop quiz for you to start off with. And this is the only time of the year where it's like probably appropriate to look at uh statistics and like how players are doing and all that stuff because it's the end of the year. Now, like we've we have like now we know like this is what these guys are actually about. We don't have like small sample sizes, uh, for the season per PFF, because PFF likes to give out grades, little subjective grades on like how guys did. Uh, per PFF, I have the top ten passers in college football that they've graded. There are two Mac guys on this top 10 list. Uh, My two questions to you, and I'm going to let you answer the first one. Where is Curtis Rourke ranked? Four. Seven. Number one. Curtis Rourke is the
1: number one passer in America. So what's the biggest determining factor there in terms of uh, that metric? Um, Because I know he's a really accurate passer, but there, I know there are plenty of other guys who threw for more yards, for it's, example.
0: It's not so much as like um, this plus this plus this plus this as much as it is like the PFF people doing their homework determining this is a good pass for this points this is a good pass for this many points this is a bad pass. And mm. then them doing their math behind the scenes and them not really like telling you what Actually
1: giving what their formula is because it's PFF. Got it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but but that being
0: said, like, Curtis Rourke, to, like, give you just, like, a couple numbers to, like, let you, like, work with, uh, he threw a lot of passes. He wasn't, like, top 10 in attempts, but he threw, like, 352 attempts, and only 2.8% of them uh, were turnover-worthy plays. Uh, his adjusted completion percentage, which is, like, your actual completion, but, like, you know pretend that your guys actually caught the ball instead of dropped them and you know stuff like that. You're not really taking into account like spiking the ball. 77.8%. Uh, Pretty damn good. Uh, number two, where is Rocky Lombardi on this list? He's on the
1: list? Why would he be on the list? He played four games.
0: Look, I didn't tell you that this was like, you know <laughs> – Uh, with, like, guys with, like, a a minimum number. I'm just telling you, like, hey, at the end of the year, this is what the grade of his passing uh, Raider was.
2: Is he, like, eighth? Rocky was really good before he got hurt.
0: Caleb? We've broken Caleb. Oh, that's fine. He's number seven.
1: Ooh. That was what I said the first time.
0: Yeah, uh, Rocky, uh, you got to give him credit where it's due because, yes, he, like, sat out essentially, like, most of the year with an injury. But the one game where he did, like, well, I don't know if he, like, did too much after that. Probably not. But the one game where he really did shine, where, like, he did come back from injury to be a passer only, when he absolutely should not have, was at EMU, when he and uh, the Huskies lit up EMU uh, on the road. And it was really, really bad. And he, like, had an incredibly good passing performance that day. I don't have the numbers in front of me with that, but... uh, you know, for someone that, like, got too good of a grade for someone that didn't, like, qualify, that's the word I was looking for, qualify um, for, like, a minimum number of games played or minimum number of throws. Because, yeah, like, he only played in four games this year. Still did good in those four games, even if it was on, like, a third of a leg.
2: What is Thomas Hammock's record without Rocky Lombardi?
0: Uh, Not good.
2: I don't, I don't have it in front of me, but is it? Is it more than four wins?
0: <laughs> Man, we are. Do we really want to tread in this water? Is this re, is this really the direction you want to go into right now? Like we have, we do have Toledo, Ohio to go to. We do have uh, that to look forward to. We do have it's another just game. Just for nah. food for thought. We'll come back to it. Also, I'm not going to do the math on that, fellas. It is Toledo, Ohio. It's the game that we've been waiting for all year. It's the game that we wanted, and. By the looks of it, it's not the game we actually wanted all along. But uh, it's going to turn out to be a banger. I'm telling you right now. It's going to turn out to be an incredible, incredible banger. It doesn't matter if Toledo goes home crying. And it doesn't matter if Ohio's the one that has to, like, you know, bite the dust again and be like, oh, my goodness. What is this, the fifth time in the past two decades that we're doing this? Is this the really way we're going it? So it could be a blowout. It could be a close game. I don't see this being a poorly played game by either side, really. I could see a lot of, like, errors being had by somebody. You know, even both teams, I could see somebody, like, screwing up. But I don't see this overall being, you know, a a, a crappy game. I don't see this being Western Bowling Green by any shot. You know, that's... We're not going to see that. We're not going to see that. We're going to see a good fight. We're going to see a clean fight. We're going to see a nice Ohio fight. We're going to see... The rich team in Toledo, the ones that are always, always favored in this game by one and a half, free money, free money, plus one and a half Ohio. And then Ohio, who I, you know, let me check myself right now. What did I say before the season? If there's one team, and I don't know if I said it on record, I know I definitely said it to you, Justin, off air, but if there's like one team in the MAC that I feel like could have like the biggest drop off in the future of the MAC with everything going on with NIL, this, that, and the other. Ohio's the one I could see dropping off the most, and here they are in year one of me proving, you know, proving me wrong of that, proving everybody wrong of thinking Ohio's not capable of doing this with Tim you know, Tim Albin as the head coach. Are they serious about this football thing? Like you, you still you still haven't found like a serious replacement for Frank Solich after year two of him retiring. Well, this is their serious response to it. They found some guy named Sam Wiggles, like literal Wiggles. You just, like, screw up, like, some Scrabble letters in there, and it's still pronounced Wiggles, and he's, like, your best receiver. Not really, because uh, CJ, no. Oh, I'm screwing up Ja'Cory Jones. He's pretty damn good. Love that guy. Ohio's playing damn good on both sides of the ball. Toledo, they were playing really damn good. They were playing excellent football. Like, you know, some games you're like, eh, a little bit mid here and there, but overall, as far as the Max concerned, Toledo's pretty damn good. They looked pretty damn, like, they respected themselves, you know? Like, no, this isn't, like, same old Lions stuff with them. Same old Toledo. This wasn't that kind of year until it was. After they, like, got like they got past Eastern, after they got past that very, very important Mac West win, it was the Toledo of old. It was the Toledo of old. And they're in the Mac Championship game. They're just not looking nearly as pretty as they did towards the end of October and we have a lot more questions and a lot more concerns about them going into this game but still they're damn talented they're damn passionate and they're all fighting for something i don't really know what we're going to see because so many like you know different things just kind of happen towards the end of the season i don't know man i'm just excited for it i'm excited me I'm excited. too. I'm excited I think it's, it's going to rule. This.
2: I don't have any evidence for this, but I think Toledo was kind of sandbagging the last couple games. Just like we've seen this happen. Was this three of the last five years that the Mac West representative in the game had a, like a little a, a one to two week lame duck period? And in the Mac, that's like, unless you're fighting for bowl position, which, you know, nobody in the last five years really has been on that side. There's not a lot of motivation to play these games. Uh, 2018 NIU lost two straight games, I think, uh, and then just played that the 2018 MAC Championship game set like the gold standard for MAC title games,
1: mm-hmm.
2: in my opinion. Uh, they played an as a banger. They basically trotted an FCS offense out there all year, except for the one game, <laughs> and they made it count. The last two years, the 2021 and 2022 champions had lame duck periods and lost their last game, coincidentally to Western Michigan. Actually, in all three of those instances, they, their last loss was to Western Machine. Um, and all those teams won. The, the first two did. So I, I think you're going to see the Toledo from late October in this game. And I also think that it's a big bummer to not have Curtis Rourke playing, But CJ Harris looks really, really fucking good. <laughs> or at least fun. I don't know. I, I think this game's just going to rule.
0: Hey, as much as I like to prop up Daquan Finn for the simple fact that he's from Michigan, um, CJ Harris, also from the great state.
1: Y'all know I got a million thoughts, and I'm befuddled, I'm flabbergasted, I'm Schmeckeldorf, I'm whatever you think about whatever I could say about how Ohio got here. Uh like like Alex, and he doesn't even like the team, at the beginning of the season, I'm like. Dear God, Tim Albin is not the answer. I can't believe how bad this program is going to get in a very short time. They beat FAU right away, and I'm just like, fluke, huge fluke, big fluke. How'd they do it? I don't know. At least Curtis Rourke's throwing the ball better. And the defense did not get better the first two or two, three games. Takes takes Fordham shooting himself in the foot several times in Peden Stadium, Frank Solichfield at Peden Stadium. And they do this. They make this run. They had their top three running back or their top three rushers from last season were not back. Uh, O'Shawn Allison was, but did not play due to a preseason injury. Uh, Curtis Rourke took uh, kind of a a step away from running the ball because he didn't really need to, and they didn't want him running the ball as much this year. Jake Netherton, who's a six year senior, was for all sakes and purposes like. One of the go-to returning guys at running back, if Allison's hurt, and, and uh, um, I'm trying to even remember who else. I mean, look, Sia Bengura ran the ball twelve times last year, and he's a damn near. I mean, if he plays every snap this year, he's probably an all-all Mac caliber caliber running back. And they just have got. I mean, the w- Wiggles is just a, a crazy story enough in itself. Because we've said it here, too, you know, you're on the shelf at Ohio State just because you don't see the field at Ohio State ever in your five years there or whatever doesn't mean that, like, you weren't good enough to be on a Division One football field. And you prove, he's proven that really damn quick. And in addition to all these things, Rourke, I never, ever could have anticipated the season he's had this year, efficiency-wise, to get them to this point. Last year, he was 11 touchdowns to seven interceptions. There were games earlier in the season— where I'm like, please do not throw the ball more than ten times. This is uh, last year I'm referring to. I'm like, just just don't run the ball more than ten times to- or throw the ball more than ten times. Just give it to uh, Tuggle. Let Rodgers come in there, take some snaps and run. Give it to O'Shawn Allison. Just go. If you had told me, like, okay, so get this. Allison's hurt. Backup running back's hurt. Third running back's hurt. Some guy named Sia Bengura is going to be running the ball all the time, and we're going to be throwing the ball around 45 times a game. I'd be like, "Oh shit, we're getting beat by 30 every week, aren't we?" No. Holy shit, how the fuck did they get to this point? It's unreal. And I, and a lot of it has to do with the Mac not being as good this year. But I'm not going to cut cut them like I'm not going to say they didn't deserve to get to Detroit because they've been as clean of a playing team in the conference as there is. They Turn yeah, they have put over. an
2: exclamation point yeah. on that, too. Yeah. Uh they, they against turn teams over green. And they do that.
1: Yeah, exactly, yeah. Justin. And, and if if anybody could turn it into an ugly game, BG is the team that could do that. And I was like, nah. Nah.
2: They refuse to let it happen. And the defense has been really damn good. Nasty. Especially at generating takeaways. Nasty. Relative to how they started the year, there wasn't really any indication that the defense is going to be anything other than trash mm-hmm. and like they are decidedly not that.
0: Yeah. Like the, the FAU game, you know, like Caleb, you already mentioned that 41 38 final the Fordham game, which you mentioned to 59 52 the Kent state loss on the road. You lose 31 24, a little bit better there. Um, but that's the difference between, but they gave
2: up like almost 800 yards in that game. Yeah. But
1: yeah, they, like, it was like, it was like it was, a record. No team had ever had a guy have 240 yards receiving and 240 yards rushing, rushing in yep. a game. Cooper, Cooper did it on the ground. Um, Cephas did it in the air.
0: And yet, empty
2: calories. Empty calories. You could drink. You could drink like a. You could drink like a dozen and a half Miller Lights and have more fun.
0: Yeah, like, if they allowed some explosives, into. but Great they lot, did a lot, like. a, lot of, a lot of points in that game. And, like, that's a big thing about the defense. They didn't allow a lot of explosives all year. And that was kind of the point of it. It wasn't just so much so that, like, yeah, the East was bad. Yeah, the Mac was bad. I, Ohio still won seven games in a row. Like, they didn't do that because everybody else is just worse. Ohio, like, deserved every bit of this, like, winning streak that they're on. And I'll be damned if they don't win on Saturday.
2: They are deserving favorites uh, based
0: on how Toledo's playing too. So
2: I don't know. I just, I feel like this is uh we got the matchup we wanted five years ago. We
0: Finally. Got the, yeah, we got that. We got the matchup we wanted then. We're getting the matchup that we wanted five weeks ago, honestly. But it's not looking like we wanted to because with Curtis Rourke's injury out, you know, we, we already hit that. But on the other side with Toledo, you know, they were looking clean at the beginning of the year and that's the kind of Toledo we wanted to see. And they haven't had the back like the good back half of the year that we want to see a fine looking Toledo, you know, going into the year with. And, you know, I'll be damned if Ohio loses this weekend, but I'm already damned because I spoke too soon about Toledo. I once said that Toledo wasn't gonna have, you know, its mess ups. Caleb was worried about it. He's like, you know, when is it gonna finally happen? I'm like, No, dude, it's mid October, like we, we we see the the real Toledo right now, and then what do they do? They lose to Bowling Green. They lose to Western Michigan. Yeah, maybe they let off the foot. They let their foot off the pedal just a little bit. Maybe they did, but I don't think that they were like not giving a damn against Bowling Green. That was forty two thirty five, not forty two twelve. Well, I,
2: right. I think, but like we know what we can get out of them defensively and we know what Bowling Green does on offense so like that's the Bowling Green game is for me actually evidence of them letting the foot off the gas. So I think last week I described it as like showing up late to work and then working really hard and then realizing <laughs> you weren't on the schedule and then deciding oh I'm done <laughs> I'm going home like that's I think what happened in that game like I think there was I don't know I think they thought they would roll and then when BG needed it because obviously they did they wanted it more in the in the classic cliche. And I think Toledo like woke up and was like, Oh, this is kind of embarrassing.
0: Still and suffering it, suffering it. some bad injuries along the way too, though. And that's part of like the yes. concerning efforts. Like Finn's like more banged up than he really needs to be. Like he suffered two injuries.
2: They're yeah, they're they're kind of getting penalized for being too good. I mean, I think there was a time with Toledo. I know you were late to come around on them, but I think I've been kind of banging the drum that it was pretty obvious after they beat, like, they, their first three conference games, when they just beat the breaks off of Central Michigan, NIU, and Kent State <clears throat> all in a row. Which, knowing what we know about those teams now, isn't, maybe is maybe as impressive in hindsight. But it seemed pretty clear that, like, if this team was healthy, it's the best team in the MAC, and it's not close. Now it's close because Ohio emerged. Like, Ohio kind of came on late because I think after Buffalo beat Toledo with see, four games to go. I think we kind of just slotted them in yeah. and it would be either them or, and we kind of still thought Kent state at that point. And then Ohio just kind of was there the whole time um, and just didn't lose. And Toledo to their credit, I know they have these, these last two losses, but the Western Michigan loss is their only loss in division. And is a game that I'm 90% sure if they had to win, they would have just based on the like quality of those two teams at full strength. So it reminds me a lot of NIU last year in a way. Coming into the game, which is why I think that in my head I'm picturing this as this, you know, this dynamic Ohio team versus the same Toledo team we saw for the first, you know, fifteen out of sixteen quarters of the max season, like football quarters. But like, if that, if that Sat- wasn't obvious but but by but being like double even digits with
0: Saturday to look yeah. forward to, like, I don't know what to expect out of Toledo's quarterback situation. Like, if Finn's, like, super banged up and Tucker Gleason, at best, has a plate in his hand, I I, I don't know. Are they going to go to, like, QB3 at some point? Are they going to, like, do more Wildcat? Like, what does Toledo do? Like, how to... Do, I, I don't know what to expect out of them, too. And then, plus, on the other side, Max and Hook, I think he might be out, too.
2: I mean, I think for all these reasons, the most, the most likely blowout scenario is on the Ohio side, like, in favor of them. Mm-hmm. If this game ends in a blowout, I think it's them. But I don't know. I'm excited.
1: There were a couple things Ohio did. I was at least interested in when they trotted it out last week. They were they were kind of using the speed option a little bit in a way that they did a few years ago, and not so much just with Nathan Rourke. They've they've kind of trotted out that look over time with when they've had kind of speedier backs, and and they they'll go kind of you know they'll go right up the center's butt. And then they'll go almost like a triple option look. It's it's not so much that there's three options on the play, but they like to go uh, read the end and you know run it right up the middle, or go off tackle, go speed option, go get width to the short side of the field, more more likely or whatever. Um, and so doing that with uh, Harris, I think there's aspects of that I like, but I think Toledo, if any if any team is equipped to probably kind of shut that down and say this is not something that Ohio's going to beat us with, uh, I think Toledo's pretty well-equipped to do that. So if they're like, all right, here's how Harris is not going to beat us. We're not going to let them get the speed option and take chunks out of us this way. Harris, you know, can throw the ball pretty well. Toledo's got better DBs than some of the teams Ohio's had to play in decent week, recent weeks as well. I think Ohio, what Ohio's going to have to avoid is, it's super cliche, let me get, I mean, it's just... You just cannot get behind the chains. Yeah. They are not, if Ohio is at second and 10, uh, third and nine consistently, Toledo is going to have Ohio where it wants it. So I would not be surprised if Ohio gets a little weird with the play calling, deviates a little bit from what the, what we've seen before. I think we will see some of that speed option stuff, but I think because Toledo hasn't been exposed to Harris a lot. And they've got more time to prepare. I, I think Ohio's going to trot out a little bit more of a creative playbook than we're used to. It doesn't mean they're going to go away from the bread and butter of what we're used to with an Ohio offense. But, you know, something Ohio's done well this year that it hasn't done necessarily in the past is more explosive playmakers. They've had, you know, they, they've picked up big chunk yards in times with, with Nathan Rourke, but it's not so much deep balls over the top like they've had this year with uh, with Miles Cross and, and Jones and Wiggles. So, I think Ohio's going to have a way to throw in a couple trick plays and just do things that they don't put on film a lot because because they've had more time to prepare and because they've got a different quarterback. So in some sense, that benefits Ohio and what they're going to try to do, I would think, uh, just because Toledo might not see or have seen already a decent amount of what Ohio's going to try and run this week. But if you know Toledo's got a good game plan for Harris and... Harris doesn't show that he can make plays with his arm early, then Ohio might be in trouble.
2: This is the best defense Ohio's faced since the Miami game, and they seemed pretty comfortable moving the ball in Miami. Very different quarterback situation, but Mm -hmm. I do agree generally that if there's a team that can disrupt and and create negative plays, it's going to be Toledo. Do
0: you guys have any uh, predictions on how this game's going to go? Like Final score wise, I like it's it's the old uh, the old newspaper thing, the old radio thing. Uh, I have a final score that actually like have a prediction that I want to say out loud written down.
1: But we don't want to save this for the end. uh,
0: Well, I mean, we have so okay. All right, fine. You're right. (laughs) We'll wait. We'll wait for the very end to do that. We'll end. Yeah, keep them on the keep them on the hook. Keep them on the hook. Oh, that's so good. Keep keep
2: keep them on the hook for a podcast. They could just fast forward. (laughs)
1: No, you can't do that. That's
0: not allowed. <laughs> uh, speaking of fast forward, we're gonna acknowledge that Akron and Buffalo play on Friday.
2: Oh my God, Buffalo needs this game,
0: <laughs> and we're rooting against it, right? We're openly rooting uh, against Buffalo here,
2: dude. I like so like I tuned out. But... I tuned out of like thinking about Buffalo Kent State because Buffalo seemed comfortable, and like it wasn't until I think like forty eight hours after the game was over that I realized that they had lost. Because I remember I took to Twitter because I was going to be like, this is dumb that they're playing this game. Buffalo doesn't need this game. It's going to be cold and stupid. And then I'm like, wait a minute. (laughs) Their their record is what?
0: Now, what's worse? Is it that Buffalo is like dragging this on? Or is it that Akron is coming into this with a huge win over N-I-U to celebrate with coming into this? And so they're not going to be fighting for their first win. They're coming in with, a shit ton of confidence. Yes, that's the worst NIU we've ever seen, probably at least with our eyes. But oh my god, Akron! I didn't know you were capable of doing that against NIU. I mean, it's been we building, be to... man. <laughs> it's been building, confidence. and like
2: Buffalo was gonna catch those hands last week. Um, if they had played that game, yeah, poor NIU. They're just they're all banged up, and I I felt like. Akron plus 10 was, or I think, whatever it closed at was, like, the easiest money. Because it was just, like... You got a team with everything to play for that feels like it's starting to play well, and a team that's just, like, totally beat up that has had better days. Just felt bad. Felt bad all around. But, I mean, even so, that's a pretty... That's a low point for NIU, right? Like, probably the lowest point in three years?
1: Yeah, I mean... It's hard to imagine. Four years? I tweeted something to the extent of... Never did I think I would see this happen because that's just what came to mind. I'm just like,
2: I'm gonna look up the last time it did happen to anybody. What was the final scoring margin
1: for NIU to lose by 30 is in itself something that you just it just it's jaw dropping, jaw dropping to see. But for Ak- Akron to beat anybody by 30 is even more shocking to me 44.
2: Yeah, I, that's what I'm shocked about on the Akron side because like you know, a mm. power five team can catch NIU. I think they got beat pretty bad by Michigan last year, so. Um, it's not uncommon, but I just, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Akron certainly hasn't done it this year. I'll keep looking at that. I'll report back with what I find.
0: Justin, it it sucks for us that our teams hosted NIU to pretty bad losses.
2: It does, yeah, especially after that 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 result and i have to have, i have to imagine that that factored in a little bit to what happened at kalamazoo this weekend that uh, a certain athletic director might have been <laughs> tuned into the akron niu score and said wait a minute <laughs> <laughs> that that's the team that prevented us from playing for something this weekend <laughs> that that's what who we lost to at home yep yeah
0: yeah i uh i have i don't i don't know uh, good luck to buffalo because this is not the time to be playing akron uh even though you also have something to play for. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't like the circumstances that this game had to happen under. Like, this game should have never been moved in the first place. So, uh, Akron, go go whip that ass. You're the best 2-9 team in the, in America right now. Go prove it.
2: Speaking of whipping that ass, uh, Bowling Green, it's not 30 points exactly, but they did beat uh, – sorry, Akron, they did beat Bowling Green 31-3 to in the pandemic season.
0: Uh, this episode's going to – we're recording this late Tuesday – uh, should come out Wednesday at some point maybe around the time the All-Mac teams get dropped I don't have too many notes on the All-Mac stuff because it's just it's not the most important thing in the world um, I don't like arguing over things I like celebrating guys that are on lists uh, I don't spend too much time thinking about or ever remembering guys that were lo- left off of All-Mac lists which uh, really really sucks but you know it is what it is. It's just there's just a list, and also we have like very little control of these things. However, we already talked a lot about Curtis Rourke. He's probably somebody that we expect to be offensive player of the year and or MVP, right?
1: If um, if they split that award, Carson
0: Steele should
2: with be somewhere Carson Steele maybe, but I think yeah, it should be Curtis. Yeah,
1: it should be Rourke. Yeah, agreed.
0: Yeah, because there's like no like at least offensively like no one player that. I feel like is more deserving than him. I, I, I respect the hell out of Carson Steele. I respect the hell out of the, his pets, uh, his pet Cobra. He doesn't have a pet Cobra, but I'm just going to say it. He has a pet Cobra that we don't know about legally. Curtis Rourke is just like an amazing offensive threat. So much better than like we all expected, of course. <sighs> Defensively, I, I need to sit this argument out, but like man, Jose Ramirez has had a hell of a year out there at the end. Uh, Thomas and Kuhn too. Uh, honestly, like, there's a lot of good defensive ends to pick through. But uh, statistically speaking, i got to say Jose Ramirez is number one. Sorry, guys.
1: Does uh, Dolak from Buffalo, does anybody have any strong opinions on him?
0: Nope.
1: No. What about Bubba Arslanian?
0: Nah. <laughs> I already made my pick. Jose Ramirez, he leads the the Mac in tackles for loss. That's the only old-school counting stat on defense that, I, that I'll honor.
2: You'll get no arguments from me. I think that's definitely more valuable than just straight
1: solo tackles. You guys should uh, should appreciate this. Um, as I am currently <laughs> doing this recording, uh, someone I know in Chicago, who's a coach, is a Toledo alum, evidently, and was trying to get at me about hanging out for hanging out uh, to watch the game. And then they remembered they had a game. <laughs> no. During the game, <laughs> not going to name him. <laughs> um, a quick a cursory search would help you. You would be able to find the answer without too much trouble. But I'm I'm absolutely going to give that guy that guy grief next time I see him because he's like asking me asking me about this watch party and the yada, yada And He goes, "Oh my god, we have a game at that time."
0: Happens to the best of us and the worst of us. Uh, also, just to just to pile it on a little bit more. Jose Ramirez's uh, 12 sacks on the year is second nationally, 0.5 behind some guy from USC. I'm not going to butcher that last name. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I, I have no real thoughts on the MAC stuff after that. I just kind of want to acknowledge it, you guys.
1: It'll just be something to talk about once. Uh, once we've recounted the MAC championship, and that'll have one more to say about that. And, uh, the
2: running back selection, selections will be interesting. You mentioned Caleb about oh, where C. A. Bengura would get slotted. Um, I think do they do they do three teams right?
1: Yep. Yeah,
2: he's gonna be on the edge of that, and I think deserving to be at least third team all Matt. Like he, I don't think any of us think he'll be left off the list, do we?
0: No, no. He's he's been too impactful. Plus he's double digits in touchdowns. Yeah, 880 yards. Yeah, like you you're on the list because like usually it's like like two two and two. Like two running backs for each list.
2: Who's the best quarterback left off of the lists?
0: I see that one was like hard for me to think of because I would have said DeQuan Finn before his injuries. Now I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I guess we're just gonna give it up to uh, DJ Irons, who has ten touchdowns and seven interceptions. We're just gonna give it to him.
2: McDonald's probably gonna be left off, right? Like, the three quarterbacks are going to be Rourke, Schley, Finn. Yeah. Maybe not necessarily in that order.
0: Why Schley? 59, um, 59% guess, passer, 13 touchdowns, 5 interceptions, uh, low in, like, yards. Uh, passing yards per attempt. Is that going to be enough to, like, do that, though? Like, I, I get that he has, like, the 7.9, but, like, I don't know. Not, not many attempts, not many completions. So, like, you could even say, like, his sample... Isn't all that, but like, even if you're gonna like take that sample, you would still take um, Daquan Finn's 266 attempts over Slee's 266 attempts.
2: Yeah, I guess I didn't mean necessarily in that order, I just figured those are gonna be the three guys that make a yeah. list. Yeah,
1: no, I get it. Yeah, oh, uh, I could see McDonald kind of get getting rewarded for being around the league a few years and being on a good team.
0: Yeah, and like, like leading the team to like what it was.
1: Yeah, like I could see Loeffler kind of like really pushing for it. And I wouldn't, I think it's, I think it'd be the right thing to do, honestly. Like, I'm not sure that I'm a big fan of like legacy selections, but I could definitely be swayed by that argument of like, hey, here's the guy who's been around the, the league a, a little bit and was a hell of a lot better this year. And his team was a hell of a lot better. You, He'll probably say because of largely because of what Mac, Matt McDonald was able to do. Even if it was the defense. Uh,
2: yeah. So, those would be the three quarterbacks that either won the, a division championship or were playing for one in the final week. So yeah.
0: Yeah, there's only. That, that'd
2: be fine by me.
0: There's only two quarterbacks in the MAC with over 20 touchdowns thrown and a completion percentage in the 60s Curtis Rourke and Matt McDonald.
1: It's kind of crazy to me that he's even had the season he's had because. You remember how bad he was in his first season? I still don't think he's good.
0: I don't give a shit.
1: I do. You remember how hideously bad his stat lines were? That's why they were. It was consistently like eleven for twenty nine for one hundred and twenty yards type stuff. You might not. You might not think he's good. I. I'm certainly not going to make an argument that he is. He's twenty. Very and good he's quarterback. Like he's.
0: He's going to have success. So I mean, I'm happy. For he
2: him. Matt McDonald had basically the same season this year as he did last year. It's just everyone else sucks. <laughs> I'm not joking. I mean, like, if you look at the passing leaders for 2021, I mean, that's not, you know, it's not his fault if he's the third-best quarterback in the league this year. He's third-best quarterback in the league this year, right? But uh, his stats last year were uh, he threw for 25-55 um, total passing yards. His completion percentage was uh, 60%. Uh, he, was, he threw the third most times. Uh, in the conference, his adjusted passing yards per attempt though were much worse. He's only six point three. So I guess there he improved. He only threw twelve touchdown passes last year. But I mean, he's not having a totally dissimilar year.
1: They're, They're winning. winning. They're winning. You just have like what Ben Bryant at
2: Cincinnati, Dustin Crom gradu- graduated, Caleb Elby left, Brett Gabbert was hurt all year. Daniel Richardson had a, an off year. Drew plitt's gone. Kyle Van Trees is lighting it up, and you know, like all these guys that were here last year that aren't. Um, it's just this is what was left
0: (laughs) hey man he i'll give him credit where it's due he came up big in that toledo game especially like on the touchdown throw yeah i know like the receiver made a big play and yeah i know like the defense made an even worse effort like on the reception but matt mcdonald the play before that jamal hines drilled matt mcdonald in his throwing arm Helmet and face guard first right into like his bicep throwing arm. Like it was incredibly hard, terrible to watch. You're thinking it's the worst conditions. You just played like fifty nine plus minutes of horrible football. Well great football, but like horrible conditions. It's painful. It's third and ten. You have to make the throw of your life to basically like I don't know, maybe give Scott Loeffler like a, a contract extension for uh, his school and makes that freaking completion. And makes the completion. It Throws the game winner. It throws the best blast ever. Uh he came up big in a lot of spots, not just that Toledo game, but you know, I I'll give him credit where it's due. Like he he stuck around in this college football thing a lot longer than any other coach in America would have let him. Any other coach in America would not have let Matt McDonald stick around this long. And yet he's gonna land himself in an all Mac uh, you know, award, and that's gonna be pretty good. Uh, Justin, are we ready to move on to the DM that you sent us uh, in regards to what Stuart Mandel had to tweet, or would you rather oh. talk about Tim Lester?
2: Well, if we're going to dive in the coachings carousel, I will answer your question in the form of a question In regarding the MAC championship game. At the end of this game, are both of these coaches still coaching at these schools at the start of the 2023 season?
1: I think if you're candle and you win I would one out. <laughs> I don't know what his mindset is. I don't know the way he operates.
2: No, uh, I mean we know he wants <laughs> Yeah. Like, right. And his name his name pops up so much for I jobs know. like we know that he's shopping.
1: And my and, thing is if he wins, he's I I would honestly be more more likely to be like
2: He's got, right. MAAC, he's got two Mac he's got two Mac titles. His case would be pretty strong. Yeah.
1: Let's get out of here. I've done what I can do here. It's not gonna really get any better than this. Let's go be it, let's get a cushy offensive coordinator job somewhere.
0: That's where it has to be though, right? It's the offensive coordinating realm. Like I don't see him being a head coach really anywhere. I think like the jig is up. Like I don't think anybody any school wants to sign up for the headaches that Toledo's had to suffer through during his tenure. Not that like it's been like the worst. He's
2: won so many games, but I think like <laughs> and we'll talk about Tim Lester in a second but like
0: it's he's been like the, super underachieving
2: the reaction to from like people who don't follow the mac regularly to the tim lester firing tells me that like i don't think people who are making those decisions give a shit like i don't think they know it's like i don't think they see the candle tenure the same way that we would context and all mm-hmm. like i think they see a guy who's i mean the mac pays like I think they're some of the lowest salaries in the group of five, lowest pool, like assistant pools. They don't have a lot of strength. like They just don't have the same resources. Mm -hmm. Candle can make a really good argument that like, hey, if if you just gave me all that, like we'll be, we'll be good. I won two Mac titles with what I do have and like ignore all the other shit. Yeah, but we finish really high in S Plus every every year. We've always had really good efficient teams. Like it's just we lose some games on some weird bounces because we play in weird weather in the middle of November. Please give me, uh, one point eight million dollars. Yeah, South Florida. Like I think that could happen. Like I just don't think people care. But us three sitting here have seen it. Toledo fans have seen. It. I mean, coming into this year, it was basically like if they don't win the division,
0: can we? Like, talk they about- were going to fire him. Can we twist this by like? shifting the conversation to another coach to kind of explain our point a little bit more.
2: Oh yeah. Now the segue didn't work as well as I planned, but the reason I asked the question is because Tim Alvin is apparently linked to the open Tulsa job. Oh no, that's not what I was
0: going for, but yeah, sure. Let's go with that.
2: Well, yeah, well, Alvin is um, a native Oklahoman. That's how you say it. Um, It seems weird to me that he's a, I don't know which direction the interest is coming from, if that makes sense. It would be very weird to me that Alvin has been in Athens for as long as he has and now is finally, like, on the cusp of delivering a MAC championship that they've waited, like, 50 years for. That it would be like, oh, yeah, now I want to coach at Tulsa.
0: I mean, maybe now he's, like, had the time to, like, recruit a coaching staff that he likes and has the reps to, like, work with the coaching staff that he's able to recruit for him.
2: From a general negotiation standpoint, it's smart of, like – I don't know if he has an agent or what's going on there. But like it is smart to be like, hey guys, I'm I'm about to maybe go win this damn thing. You better have the checks ready Mm -hmm. when it's over. Like I'm not leaving Ohio, but I will if you don't pay me, kind of thing.
0: You kinda talked about like watching like coaching and like reading the records and like sifting through the bullshit of that. And the coach that I kind of wanted to focus on, just to twist it a little bit, is because like I've been kind of trying to say the same thing for a little bit now. And the national narrative around this coach is just not matching up to, like, what I see. And that's Sean Lewis because you look at the records and it's, you know, yeah, he's doing well. He's got, like, an exciting offense. woohoo, hoo uh, But honestly, if you're, like, you're watching and paying attention, even for me, who is not, like, a super, like, Kent State diehard, like, I'm still, like, kind of reading into this every week. Like, yeah, there's, like, some... Offensive pulse going on in Kent, but there's a lot that's missing. And even if everything is like kind of hard to build, you know, you have to like weigh the losses with the same amount of weight that the, that the wins do. And the wins are super Mac East adjusted, man. Like we saw, there's not a lot of them. Like you, like if you're going to like wait out, like, you know, Oh, we're going to adjust a record and like ignore like an Akron win mentally. Well, you kind of have to like, uh, I don't know, man. It's just, it's not, it's not a good division that he's been playing in and he's not dominating in it.
2: No. And like, I'm not some sort of like genius scheme guy or anything like that. And I think a lot of the stuff with Lewis is that the things that he does at Kent state are apparently creative and they do play fast. Right. Um, It does make for an exciting brand of football. For me, and it's kind of like how you already said, the results just aren't there. Like, at some point, like, you don't get extra credit for all the other stuff. And I'm sorry, like, you don't get extra credit for Kent State being poorly resourced, you know? Because, like, I think I sent this message to you guys yesterday that it was, like, I'm kind of tired of people talking about the Kent State job, like, Daryl Hazel never existed. Mm -hmm. This idea that you can't win and win big there, like, it's not as easy to win there as it is other places in the mac it is poorly resourced that's why they go on the september hell tour throughout the power five and get their asses kicked for a bunch of money but they've done this before and there's also no guarantee that if lewis eventually does do it that he's going to end up being really good coach at the power five level or something like that like i still think he's a, he's a good football coach like he, we're not talking about he's not like mike jinx or anything yeah, I just you know? don't
0: think he's like super qualified for what everybody like wanted him to be but like five or six years ago. Like it's just it's just not that. And like that's yeah. what that's what happens when you take a swing. You miss sometimes. You miss. Barry Bond strikes out.
2: He has won a division title. Um championship game didn't go well for him. I don't know. I mean, next year could be different there's no reason to think that they won't be one of the favorites in the Mac East again next year. So we'll see. But I, I agree generally that like the, the national perception of Sean Lewis does not match like the results that we see here
1: in the back. Part of part of all of that, that I think some people are conscious of and others aren't is that a lot of this type of discourse goes on when a coach is young. Look at this wonderkind coach who's in his third, his early 30s, right now Lewis is 36, who's doing all this crazy stuff at this max school, the cradle of coaches, rising star. And it gets so easy to get caught up in that type of narrative. Like, pro teams are doing it. That's So no wonder that college football fans who need to have something to talk about at all freaking times would be kind of swayed into this kind of think, way of thinking, like, oh yeah, Sean Lewis, look what he's done crazy quick offense he's replicated what some of the the best Mac teams we've seen do do exciting creative things it's a cool brand of football he's doing it somewhere where he doesn't have the resources he's going to be a success somewhere he's the next star and it's it's kind of just mate it's kind of just putting this tag on him that is more about the way people want coaching to work than it is on what Lewis himself has actually accomplished mm-hmm and this is all said, no saying, uh, Sean Lewis is a good football coach and generally a really amicable, nice guy who has been doing a good job recruiting and getting the types of guys that he needs to, to make explosive plays on offense. And the defense has found ways to, you know, not be a laughing stock like they were a couple of years ago. So look, he's a good coach and, but people are still projecting on him. So there's a, there's a, there's a lot to it. It's, it's, I'll, we're never going to get tired of the, the none coaching. of which is his fault. No, like that's not yeah.
2: his fault at all. It's just he
1: doesn't uh, feed into. Yeah,
0: it. He, yeah he should no. be a coach for a very long time. He just like I don't think that yeah. he'll be like a very winning coach when he's in his older thirties at a power five job. Like I just don't see that being the case. But these are great learning steps for him because even one Nick Saban had to go through Kent State to be one Nick Saban. Yes, he coached at Toledo. I don't care.
1: Did you know Nick Saban went to school in the MAC? Tim
0: Lester was fired, though. We have, like, not really talked about that. We've talked about other coaches and, like, what could be. Uh, but Tim Lester, the guy who was actually fired, first Mac job to open up this year. Justin, kind of, can you, like, kind of tell, like, the listeners, like, who, like, don't really understand, like, yeah, like, Lester, they might be looking at, like, his record. They might be looking at his Wikipedia page for the first time and, like, being like, well, where are all the losing seasons at? or <laughs> Where are all the losing seasons You know, where are these marches that we're talking about? Because, um, I don't know, like, Lester is still a damn good coach. Like, he is qualified to do well. Like, maybe as a college coach, maybe as a pro coach. Definitely, like, working with offenses and quarterbacks. I don't know how much time he wants to be a head coach in the college game these days anymore, but he's definitely good at what he does. But, like, why was his good work not good enough?
2: Yeah, he's not. I just, like... I have for a long time been in favor of, like, this being the conclusion to the whole Tim Lester era, right? But that said, like, it's not an open and shut case. This wasn't an easy thing to do. Um, I was kind of shocked at a lot of the discourse around it, where they're like, oh, well, if there were some two intense seasons, then yeah, we could fire him. And it's like, well, then what do you need an AD for? You know, like, this isn't like you hire a guy and then they just fire themselves, Like sometimes it works out that way, but like the job is to kind of pick through a lot of that bullshit. Um, And I've thought a lot about this, like exactly the way you asked it was like to explain it to someone from the outside looking in. If I had to write a quick epitaph for the whole lesser era, um, it's basically that it was never bad when it should have been, but it was never great when it could have been. Tim, was a little bit of a victim of his own success early on. He walks into a scenario to follow up P.J. Fleck, which is difficult for two reasons. First of all, he had a ton of success. And in the MAC, the schools just aren't resourced well enough to like pump the funds and energy into it to keep that momentum going. It was just never going to be possible to do what Fleck did the final two seasons there. The second is P.J. Fleck, the personality is <laughs> really tough to follow up. If you're looking for a guy to come in and bring the same type of energy, that person doesn't exist. So Tim, who has a dry personality as it is, always was going to look way drier next to that. And the record is 37 and 32, um, but you can learn everything you need to know about the Lester era from the first three seasons. 2017, he has a... He finishes six and six. He comes into the season with basically a MAC title ready defense and an FCS offense. He gives USC hell for three and a half quarters. They lose to Michigan State by two touchdowns on the road, thanks to Darius Phillips. Um, and they have some quarterback injuries late that result in a six and six season. 2018, the, it kind of gets flipped. That defense disappears. They have a terrible, putrid defense and a middle of the road offense. And he won seven games with that team which I think of the six seasons, that was his best work. And then they get to 2019, forget everything else that happened. They go into week 12. They have to beat a three-win NIU team to win the Mac West, go to the title game where they'll probably be heavy favorites over a team they already beat pretty bad. And they turn in probably the worst performance of the six years Mm -hmm. that he was there with stakes included, right? that's everything right there in that three-year package he's a guy who knows ball he's a really good football coach and it just wasn't working in the moments that it needed to work you jump ahead after that season in 2020 they're in the exact same scenario albeit against a you know soon to be ranked ball state team they lose on the road in a game that they outplayed them it's two years in a row on the doorstep 2021 They come in, they beat Pittsburgh and flip the expectations all over. They go four and four in MAC play. They go one and four against the division. And that one win was a lame duck period, NIU, uh, much like we see with Toledo this year. Right. And then this season, obviously, he goes five and seven. It's a rebuilding year, sure. But they had some close games that they left out there. Bowling Green, the home game against NIU. They left all the opportunities out there. And the two things are. Western picked up some wins in some lame duck periods over Toledo this year, twice over NIU. The games that they lost, these close ones, they lost them the same in rebuilding years as they did in the big years. It was a consistent feature of the program. Um, ultimately, the job, the question comes down to, what do you think the job of the Western Michigan head coach is? And if you think the answer is to win and compete for division titles, then he didn't do that. He was 9-11 and 11 over the last four seasons against the Mac West, the only guy with a worst record record is Hammock, and he went 0-4 in 2020. Uh Chris Creighton has the same record, but Creighton's beaten him four straight times. That's kind of the job. And he wasn't doing it. Um everything with Tim Lester has everything to do with the results on the field. There's no complaints about how he recruited, there's no complaints about how he carried himself. There's no complaints about players getting in trouble about how they were doing in school. Anything like that. He's a great guy who loves Western Michigan and did everything right. And it just didn't translate on the field in the way that they were expected to. That's you could do a whole podcast on this because like a whole episode could be devoted to just this because anytime a Mac school fires a guy with a winning record, you kind of got to go, what the hell's going on here? And so there's a lot at play, but like very simply, he has a losing record against the division and like, there are guys who I think are not as good at football coaches as him that are winning division titles. Mm-hmm. And at some point, you know, you don't have to sit around and wait for it to happen if you don't think it's going to just because they're not doing as bad as they could.
0: Yeah, the record's one thing and like the trend is another because he went from essentially being a coach that, and you said it like, you know, much more beautifully. Uh, he essentially went from being the coach that put his team a game away from being in the Mac title game to two games away. And that's the wrong direction. And so we got to get rid of this while we can. My, like the kind of questions that I had like during, like after the firing was one, I asked it the same way in two ways. One, why did they wait until now? And I look at the schedule and I see, you know, two losses in November and then two wins after that in November. Like, After which one of those games was the decision made? And then number two, why was he fired on Monday morning and not that Sunday immediately after?
2: The timing is weird, and it could backfire. Um, They better have a good guy in mind that they want to hire for the job, is all I'll say, because there is a strong case for having kept him. Like school recruiting with two class budget cuts number are... two right now what's that the
0: recruiting class is number two right now yeah so the, um, like, it's not like things. Have yeah big
2: big matter. time recruiting class that you are definitely going to put a dent in by doing this you're gonna have to rush to to um, hire before signing day um you're best player on the offensive and de- defensive side of the ball have just entered the transfer portal, which probably was going to happen anyway, definitely with Braden Fisk. I'm not sure about Corey Crumbs, but I'm sure it made the decision easier. But they're going to be gone, so you're going to have to be replacing all that production, um, which, again, you might have had to anyway. Um, you've got a quarterback that looked pretty promising that you just redshirted that you're going to have to convince to stay around. He's from Arizona, so there's no you know, promises there, right? Um, and he just he gets another year of eligibility, which is good for him. And he, you know, he went five and seven. There's no guarantee that the bottom won't fall out. But the only thing I'll say there is that it's a good case. It's not the most compelling case when like the only case is, well, he doesn't suck. Because <laughs> he certainly doesn't suck. Um, but if you're trying to win division titles with a guy whose best thing is that he doesn't suck, then like you're just not going to. To Western's credit historically they at any point in time if Western seems to think you're not going to win another division title they kind of just cut losses the last guy Western fired that actually had a losing record was Jack Harbaugh and that was 40 years ago and it was 25 and 27 Western really hasn't ever had a terrible coaching hire And I think it makes it easier to fire guys in this situation because it's kind of like, well, whether it's you or somebody else, we know we can get this. Let's go on this like eternal hunt for the guy who can get more. And Fleck did that. And I don't think they'll ever do something that extreme again, but the program's in a better position. I think financially than it was in 2013 when it hired Fleck, it has better, you know recruiting pipeline than it did it's a different type of program i think it's in good shape um but wmu does this all the time so that's why you know i saw a lot of this like wow this doesn't make sense he didn't have any bottoming out seasons and it's like yeah dude no one ever does no one in kalamazoo ever does and they get fired anyway they fired al mold he went 62 and 47 he won a mac championship and he had one two win season and they were like nah sorry thank you for your 10 years of service you're gone the guy that took over for him won two division titles and ran into those marshall teams in 99 and 2000 in the mac title game and he finished 45 and 45 they fired him too the guy that replaced him was bill cubit cubit had an eight win season and a bowl game in detroit and then he had a four win season the next year and they were like bye and the same thing just happened to Tim Lester. He had a really, really good season that should have been better than it was. And he paid the price for that season by not keeping it rolling this year. And and I just want to be clear, like Lester's gone as much for underachieving in 2021 as he was for going 5 and 7 in 2022. So I know it looks absurd on its face, but it's like the team, the only team to beat Pitt in the regular season last year couldn't beat anybody in the division. Like that yeah. that's a that's a bigger problem. Lost to Ball and State,
0: lost to Toledo, lost to Central mm-hmm. Michigan, only beat Akron by 5. Lost bad the by team. the way
2: right like that Akron game that's a win that everyone forgets about like let's not pretend like that team didn't need a last second drive from Caleb Elby to prevent disaster
0: Yeah.
2: like if they lose that Akron game he probably gets fired last year this thing was teetering on the brink for the longest time and like as I think was the case with Bill Cubit, people were done with him the year before he had the really good year there just wasn't, you weren't going to fire a guy who just won eight games. And the chief reason among that is like, no one's going to want to come coach here if you get fired for winning eight games. Right. But I think it's pretty easy case to the next coach to be like, yeah, the standards are high, but they're not like, we're not telling you, you have to go to New Year six, which is the other thing I saw floating around online a lot from national types was like, Oh, you know, these people are just like, they're smitten by 2016 and the expectations are out of whack. Like, man, that was six years ago. like, that ship sailed. No one in Kalamazoo thinks that that's a thing
1: No,
2: that should happen. Like and, I think the number might literally be zero people, but it keeps getting floated as this reason that expectations are out of whack. And it's like, nah, man, it's a school that just got an injection of $500 million. Some of which went to the athletic department. They have a brand new athletic director and a coach that was underachieving. Like it,
0: that's probably it's not landscape. really that
2: complicated.
1: <laughs> and let's be real. If any fan base is going to do that in the Mac, it's going to be NIU because then I use a custom to substantial success that is unequaled in the conference.
2: And WMU wants a piece of that. And I can just say from like, just like the vibes are on the program. Like that's what they want. It's not necessarily like the orange bowl, cotton bowl thing. It's like, we just want to win some division titles in years where we maybe shouldn't. Like that would be nice. We want to surprise some people sometimes. And I always find it comical when a coach in the Mac fires their coach and they're like, Oh, Do they really think they can do better guys? The best team in the Mac is in DeKalb, Illinois. Like, and that's not, that's like no disrespect to DeKalb, but it's like, they talk about it where they're like, Western Michigan's got to look in the mirror and be like, is this really something they think they can be? Like, yeah, (laughs) of course. Every school in the Mac should look themselves in the mirror and think they could be that.
0: Look at Ohio. They're in the Mac championship right now. And I actually do not think that they should be surviving in the NIL world.
2: Right. Because, like, it's, it's a weird conference, and it's like, if you can put together a good culture, you can win it consistently. And, like, there's no reason that other schools can't do what NIU did. Not that it's easy, but it's also, like, if you are a school, particularly in that division, and you're not thinking you can do that, like, what are you doing? What's the point of any of it? So yeah, you should fire a guy that went thirty-seven and thirty-two, and is has a losing record against the division. It, it doesn't seem it's it's not really that difficult. I do forgive folks who like aren't following the program directly for just looking at that number and being like he only had one losing season. It's like yeah, but they were eliminated from they were eliminated from conference contention with two weeks to go in consecutive seasons, and then blew their shot on the doorstep two seasons consecutive before that. There's not really any evidence that it was going to get better, so let's try something else. And it was six years. It's not like we fired the guy after he he got a shot. Three seasons. Mm
0: -hmm. He had two full
2: three-year periods. Like I don't know. I mean, the the pandemic season sucks, but like I I don't don't understand. Like how much? It's so long in college football years. Like what he was supposed to just like we're supposed to just deal with this for twelve years. Like I don't know.
0: Freaking Marcus Arroyo got fired at UNLV after three. Right. Like...
2: <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like, I'm, I know everyone said like, that was crazy, but I'm not gonna pretend to know anything about UNLV football, so I'm just kinda like, okay.
0: But he only got three years. Right. You know, Tim Lester got yeah. six, at least. I got mm-hmm.
1: a good laugh out of um, my buddy Carter, who uh, is a sports reporter for Nevada Appeal out in Carson City, the capital of Nevada. Sent me a tweet of a reporter. I want to say there's a TV reporter out there being like, really think, and they talk about the onV coach, deserves to be the Mountain West's <laughs> coach of the year. <laughs> and then his like tweet the next day, and he's gone, right? <laughs> it's like, he's done some great things. This is not a team that you're positioned to win football games or blah, 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 blah. I think he deserves notoriety as a coach. Yeah, he's gone.
2: It all just depends on who you hire after. Because I think I saw, I don't know if it was, like, serious, but, like, someone floated, like, Gary Patterson for UNLV. And, like, I'd have to think, like, if you pushed out Arroyo and hired Gary Patterson, like, I have, to, I have a feeling if, like, that was a thing that happened, people would be like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I don't think that's going to happen. But, like, okay.
0: Yeah. I, w- I would take back what I said.
2: Like a major apple white swap for Dana Holgerson type thing. Yeah. I don't know that that's what's going to happen at Western Michigan. I, I think it's going to be an assistant coach somewhere. Although I did have to, I have to work Pete Lembo into this somehow, but they <laughs> did say that <laughs> the AD did say they were looking for someone um, that has like success at multiple levels that doesn't necessarily have to have been a head coach before but has ties to the Midwest and and is familiar with the Mac and I'm like oh god they're going to hire Pete Lepo
0: guys let's let's kind of wrap this up Uh, three things or anything that we want to close up on each Uh, I don't have three things I have one prediction that I've been sitting on this whole time this one final score prediction that I've been sitting on but Caleb, Justin, unless you guys have anything that you wanna say first, please do.
2: Um, one last note on WMU I had written down here that I didn't get to um uh, by SP Plus. This from 2021 to 2022, this was their biggest single season drop-off in efficiency uh since 1970. Um, so it wasn't just like a normal rebuilding year. It was just kind of like really, really bad. Um so another that's another reason that uh tim lester would be out the last few two or three times that had happened in wmu history the guy either was getting fired or that was replacing a guy who had just got fired so this is a pretty unique case uh, not anymore because he did get fired um and then i was looking up those akron scores for you uh this is gonna be more than three things because i got five scores here so we're talking about last times akron won by 30 not all of these are 30 but um in 2017 they beat ball state 31 to three they beat marshall in 2016 65 to 38 That feels like something I would remember, but I don't. Um, Because they lost to WMU 41 to nothing that year. It's just like really weird that they scored 65 points. They beat Savannah State in 2015, 52 to nine. Uh, They beat Howard in 2014, 41 to nothing. And they beat Eastern Michigan 31 to six in
0: 2014. Nope. Never happened. Caleb, anything out of you?
1: I'll give you a little bit different three things. Uh, First off, being. I have been working with uh, the, alumni ne- the alumni network for High University, their Chicago chapter, to host a watch party. And so if you, for some reason, follow me on Twitter and you see me sharing rowdy updates of being several beer buckets in or whatever, could be I'm at Woody's Flat in Chicago in the Old Town neighborhood. If you're listening to this podcast and you know people who give a crap about the Mac – Tell them to show up to Woody's Flat in Chicago for the MAC Championship game. Uh, That's one thing. Uh, Two. Ohio is going to have a plus three turnover margin in this game. Wow. Final thing. I am going to be crying by the end of the afternoon Saturday. Bold prediction. I like it.
0: What is the end of the afternoon in your eyes? Like, what is, like, what time is that? Is that at four or is it in the four o'clock hour or is it even before four o'clock does the afternoon end at like 2 30 and the day begins at 2 30
1: currently the afternoon hour would end earlier because it gets dark early as shit in chicago mm-hmm. it's at the edge of the time zone daylight savings is a nightmare the senate could pass it right could like the senate and Congress could agree to fix this shit right now and they don't because the Democrats are spineless cowards and they don't want to pass anything that could have the least bit of blowback on them. Um, fix daylight savings, you cowards. Yes, that's the other thing.
2: Yeah, during daylight savings afternoon ends when it gets dark because it's like 4.30. But during normal times yeah, I guess I would just still say like
1: 4.30. Feels like the afternoon ends at like 2.45. 3.00 right now.
2: But would you say, but if you said like, Hey, I'm coming over tomorrow evening and you showed up at three thirty, like would your host be like, What the fuck are you doing here?
1: Ye- yes, but also I don't show I would never show up at three thirty and say it's the evening because I'm not an idiot.
2: No, but what I'm saying is if you plan to show up at three thirty and you said like, I'll be over tomorrow evening, if you showed up, would what would your host say?
1: Caleb, I thought you were smarter than this, and I thought you understood the significance of afternoon versus evening.
2: Yeah, but 3.30 but is in that gray area. You see what I'm saying? So, like if you said I'm coming over in the afternoon, and you showed up at 3.30, be, it would be more acceptable, right?
1: I guess it depends when they put the beers in the bucket for me. Um, oh, 10 a.m. Yeah, there you go. There we go.
0: I just want to make sure that things are still good in the normal world. Yeah, it looks like uh, things are wrapping up. Trent Dilfer is going to be UAB's coach. So that is going smoothly right now in real life. Wow. What the hell? (laughs) Oh, God. I guess that's thing one. I don't have a second thing. Here's my third thing. It's the final score of what we're going to see on Saturday. Not Friday. Friday is going to be the lesser game that you're going to forget about until it happens. And even then, you're going to forget it ever happened. Uh, unless Akron wins by a shit ton, we'll never let it down. Ohio, thirty-seven. Toledo,
1: nineteen.
2: Ooh, damn! Well, last time you made a bold prediction about Toledo, it was right, and no nary a shoe was eaten.
0: Man, <laughs> <laughs> I love that you guys like keep like shooing this in to the podcast.
1: I, why? I do appreciate that. <clears throat> why would we not chew it in? Somebody has to.
0: Well, nobody apparently. But yeah, no, I'm 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 sticking to it. Thirty-seven, nineteen. Ohio's gonna just wipe the floor with them. They better.
1: I'm gonna go with uh, Ohio twenty-nine, Toledo twenty-four.
2: Yeah, I like. It feels twenty-eight, twenty-four to me. Ohio. I mean, or in either direction. I just think it's gonna be like a really clean, like really good football game.
1: And boom goes the dynamite.